Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my esteemed colleague. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything, and I'm missing him this week. It's at Eric Delala. Well, we're back to the Zooming. How did this happen? Uh, we've ever, uh, two steps forward, one step backward. We just got to keep pushing through, I think. This delay is killing me. Are you okay? Are, what's the internet situation there at the combine? Oh, it's hurting. It's hurting your feelings. It's a it's nice fellow. We're at Radio Row. A lot of uh, there's a lot of people here. They're all using the internet. It's it's not quite as up, it's not up to standard with your studio that you're Are in you right bu- now. Uh, you're buzzing there, huh? You buzzing? Yeah, that's that's kind of what you do here at the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, tell us about how your week has gone so far, because, of course, uh, I've been locked in this conference room here at the facility. <laughs> uh, they won't let me out of here, but uh, they let you out and they let you go do some R things. Yeah, Phil, it's been nice. Uh, we heard from Sean Payton and George Payton on uh, Tuesday. And then uh, Donnie Leach, the Broncos president, spoke to some NCAA interns on Wednesday afternoon. And uh, Phil, as we record this, maybe uh, we'll get some content later from inside the suite where the Broncos will be watching workouts. Uh, inside the suite there uh, uh, in Indianapolis when uh, uh, they're watching uh, the 40-yard dash. They're watching some three-cone drill, maybe. What else are they doing? Okay, all right. Uh, some vertical leap. I mean, so they do all sorts of things in there, but the stopwatch is out. Uh, binoculars. I mean, pretty much just our setup for a normal game day is what they got in there. Binoculars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we'll uh, get into a, a couple of things on this episode here about what uh, Champagne had to say, what George Payton had to say, just about what the Broncos are trying to accomplish this week in Indianapolis. Of course, they're going to be meeting with prospects. They're going to be watching the on-field workouts. Uh as they get set for the draft here, but uh, for the Broncos, a lot more going on uh, considering that free agency is just a couple of weeks away. There's a lot of positions that the Broncos want to address. So we'll, uh, we'll get into a little bit about what the Broncos are hoping to accomplish there in Indianapolis. Uh, Eric, what you are trying to accomplish was uh, eating shrimp cocktail. I uh, I accomplished that, Phil. I, I did the job. You sent me here to do one thing, and I did it. And now you can come back home. I I'm on my way. As soon as we finish recording this, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my uh, private plane. That, of course, uh, the neutral zone. It's got the the branding on the side. The team acquired that for us so that we could be as efficient as possible. And I'm gonna what, head right on back. What is that branding, Eric? Tell everybody what the branding is. It's our because it's like a sticker. We got a bunch of those stickers on there, and then one giant sticker. It's our it's our face. Yeah, it's our face. Yeah, it's our face. Yeah. Uh, where's Ben Swanson at this week? Uh, he's supposed to be helping uh, this Zoom work a little bit better, but uh, I don't know where he is. Oh, is it not working? It's not working nicely for you, huh? To, uh, ben Swanson's here at Radio Row. Uh, I would try to turn our whole setup around, but. We've got like eight cameras and a bunch of different uh, kind of control panels. And so I, I don't want to mess with all that, but he's here. Yeah. Is he going to uh, make an appearance, do you think, or no? Like, uh, will we hear from Ben Swanson? It's possible. You can hear <laughs> really anything here at Radio Row. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Eric, uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can get involved in the podcast? Because this is an interactive experience. Uh, pretty much uh, other than sharing the Zoom link to just hop right in, uh, right up to that, this is an interactive process. That's right. Uh, Phil, you can leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gcom. You can leave voicemail at 7 neutral. You can tweet at us on Twitter at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH, both of those non-traditional spellings. Or Phil, you could uh, leave a comment right on the Broncos official YouTube page. And had there been a lot of people there trying to get into the convention center to see, see you, you know, like a lot of the fans and stuff, you know, what's security like there? Yeah, a lot of they uh they got that the dogs security dogs have that dog in them which is helpful (laughs) um they're keeping us safe from the kind of the rabid neutral zone fans that are just they're really lining the streets and they uh they won't see you they heard you weren't they turn around and uh ben swanson said doesn't anybody want to see me and they they didn't they didn't want to they didn't want to no i i trust that he still has his flannel shirt on though but th- two of them actually it's kind of like a nice layered look you got one that's yeah. unbuttoned and yeah. then one underneath that is uh buttoned up and if people are watching on not, youtube nodding in agreement. not what he's nodding in agreement oh good good i was gonna say if uh, people are watching on youtube here they'll notice uh some free pub for the for the indianapolis colts behind your shoulder there too not by yeah, i'm just trying to give everybody Trying to give everybody a sense of uh, what it's like here in Radio Row. I'd spin the computer around, but again, too many monitors to run out of the way. But like for Phil, I can see the Steelers. I can see the Cowboys, the Lions, the Titans. I don't know what happened to ours. It got lost in transit. I think Ben Swanson was supposed to bring it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, let's get to a couple of YouTube comments here, Eric. Uh, but did you die? Question mark exclamation point says LMFAO. Good podcast, guys. Great podcast, guys. Let me know the news while also making me crack up. Very nice. I like it. Dominic Cavazos. There is a visual element necessary to experience the show. Really missing out if you're not watching. Eric, Phil, and Ben, which he spelled all incorrectly, top 10 R's in the league right now. Thank you very much. Top 10, top five. Top Top five. Top five. And we're not not one. And we're not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brady Dyer says, quote, he'll be around Garrett Bowles sometimes. Then next quote, why? Of course, that's in reference to uh, what we were talking about last week with uh, the addition of Vance Joseph. I think Ben Swanson said that he would be around Garrett Bowles. Around Garrett Bowles. We were confused. We were confused. Uh, Francisco Joaquina, you guys are the Batman and Robin of podcasters. Robin was Batman's everything. That is true. It's true. Uh, I'm. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I got a. I got a couple more here. Uh, hold on a second. Killer thirty five Duran says you got to get Dion's terminology right. You're either elevated or terminated. That does sound better uh, than what we were talking about. 
Jeremy says the sarcasm is what makes the show good. The sarcasm. The sarcasm. Panorama Black. True. Shout out Nikola Jokic. That's every day. That's every day. <laughs> there were a lot of comments uh, last week uh, here, Eric. Hold on one second. There's one that I want to get to. There's a lot that I want to get to. Hold on. Jeremy, is Phil still giving some stickers? Of course. I don't know. Okay, this one's from Adam Kern. Phil, I got six thumbs up because you said you have to watch on YouTube. You can listen on Spotify, but you have to watch on YouTube is what I was responding to. Don't make me sound silly because you can't remember what I said. You are silly. Love the show. Then he comments, <laughs> by next episode, you won't even remember what this is in reference to either. And that is true. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. So sorry about that. This is a one week at a one week at a time. And yeah. And then uh, the last one is uh, no hot soup says, wait, you guys do shout outs. We, you guys do shout outs. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Obviously. All right, Eric, let's get into our first topic and really uh, the only topic here. And that's just talking about what the Broncos are hoping to achieve uh, during this week out in Indianapolis. And let's just start out uh, by talking about one of the top free agents the Broncos have. That's Draymond Jones. Uh, George Payton said that he's going to be meeting with Draymond's agent this week in Indianapolis. Uh, what are you hearing on that? Yeah, Phil, it sounds like based on what George Payton has said, that things are very positive uh, with Draymond Jones. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens in terms of if they're able to get a deal done. We've seen some reports that suggest the Broncos will not use the franchise tag. Obviously, they have a few more days to do that if they want to. Um, but it sounds like they're going to stay away from that approach. I think we've seen another report that suggests Draymond might even test free agency. But obviously, as an unrestricted free agent, or excuse me, as a uh, unrestricted free agent for the Broncos, the Broncos do have this next window of, you know, 12, 13 days to to negotiate exclusively. Um, so there is still time between the franchise tag deadline and the start of free agency where they could get something done. So just because they don't use the tag doesn't mean he's automatically going to make it to free agency. Um, but again, Phil, the, the deal has to make sense on both sides, right? And because He's a guy that they've talked about as a core player. They want him in Denver. They want him around. Uh, but the deal has to make sense for the Broncos. It has to make sense for Draymond Jones. Um, he had a little bit of a kind of a low end to this, just one sack after Bradley Chubb left Broncos. Uh, but still a, a really player, a good interior, a pass rusher. And the Broncos are going to have to make some decisions because Deshaun Williams is also a free agent. You've got some young guys there, but uh, – Listen, if you let Draymond Jones go, you've got to replace him somehow. So you were if if a possible might want to get it done so you don't have another hole to, to for the Broncos. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting situation here because uh interior pass rush is like in high demand, you know. That's the fastest way to the quarterback is right up the middle there. And if you have a guy who's dominant at that position, that could really be the anchor to your defense. And so all teams are looking for that kind of a player and the Broncos have a guy who they have a lot of confidence in, but the production 
maybe hasn't been there consistently. Do you know what I mean? There's times where Draymond really flashes. I think back to that Jets game where he had back-to-back sacks, uh, you know, on consecutive plays there. Uh, so we know what Draymond can be. Now, can he be that all the time? And uh, I guess that's the question the Broncos are going to have to answer because uh, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money if they want him to stay uh, here in Denver. So uh, a difficult position uh, to be in because I think you you would have – if you would have seen – Draymond continue his early season success after Bradley Chubb left, then this would have been a no brainer, you know, but, but the fact that that didn't happen, the fact that he ended the season with uh, some injury issues there, uh, that just makes you pause a little bit on giving him all this money. And, uh, you know, Vance Joseph is going to have to come in here, evaluate this roster come up with a plan for what he wants the, the defensive line to look like, because we do know the Broncos are going to have to find some sort of additional pass rusher on the outside to go along with uh, Randy Gregory and Baron Browning. So this defensive line, it seems to be up in the air a little bit here, uh, Eric, right now. Yeah, definitely. And what's interesting, Phil, is when the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb, there was a sense that money was going to go to Draymond Jones and that this was kind of a, a formality that was going to get done. George Payton talked about him as a player. He's talked about him again and again. He said, we want to draft guys, develop them, and sign them to second contracts. And so when you when you got rid of Bradley Chubb and got the first-round pick for him, I think everybody thought, hey, it's just a matter of time before Draymond Jones gets a deal done with the Broncos. I think some people thought maybe it would get done in season. And for whatever reason, it didn't get done. And then the weeks kept going by and the production was not there. And he was kind of at that sack total. And we've seen him now, Phil, whether it's having a, a hot start to the season or having a, a strong finish to the season, he's kind of been around that six and a half sack mark, five and a half sacks, basically every year. And so if you're the Broncos, you've got to figure out, well, does he have that extra gear to get to 10 or 12 sacks? Can he be the best player on a defense or does he need to be a second guy, does he need an, a uh, you know a game-changing pass rusher on the outside to allow him to do what he does best, or can he be that, that top guy? And if, in my mind, if you believe he can be a top guy that can get 12 to 14 sacks, 10 sacks, then maybe he's worth that money. But if you decide, hey, he's the, the second guy and you need you need a Randy Gray to have 15 sacks to, to really open up Draymond's potential, then you've got to sit there, maybe you can't go as high and and obviously the Broncos, if they don't franchise him, that, that speaks to kind of where maybe they view his value. Because I believe that's right around $19 million right now. And so if they don't go to that, you would just kind of infer that any offer they're making long-term is less than that, obviously. And so uh, we don't know what that range is. We don't know what they're offering. We don't know what Draymond Jones wants at this moment. Um but you're right, Phil. He's kind of this this first domino to fall, maybe, and then you decide, okay, what do you do with Deshaun Williams? Do you go after somebody else in free agency? Uh, do you go after some of the draft in an, in the third round when you finally get a pick? Um, but Phil, the other thing to consider is if you let Draymond Jones test free agency, or he goes and test free agency, and then you find somebody else that you want to deal with, well, then maybe the door closes for Draymond, even if he wants to come back, and so. There's a lot of moving pieces here for the Broncos. Yeah, I just think that uh, he's a, he's in an interesting position because you talk about the deal wanting to make sense for both sides. 
a, a guy like Draymond, who's come in and had some success here over his four, first four years in the league, this is from probably from his perspective, he's thinking, okay, now this is my payday. You know, this is the time where over the course of my NFL career, this is when my stock is going to be the highest, uh, this second contract here. And then from the Broncos perspective, I just think that there's a lot of question marks around Draymond and what he could eventually become. And they're going to have to try and see if they can find some middle ground here. If not, then I, I do see a situation where Draymond is testing the market. And, uh, you know, in that situation, more times than not, a team out there is going to be willing to pay money when uh, the Broncos maybe are hesitant to do that. And look, Draymond was a third round pick. So you would think that uh, with some good scouting, with some good diving here, maybe the Broncos could find uh, uh, another talent like Draymond with one of their first two picks in this year's draft. So you just have to... Uh, uh, do what's best for the organization. If you're George Payton, Sean Payton here. And, uh, you know, that's a, another thing that we learned on Tuesday this week was that, you know, Sean is continuing to learn more and more about this Broncos roster. And, you know, uh, they're going to have to figure out what, which one of these pieces, if they fit or not with, uh, what they're hoping to build here in Denver. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just a decision about Draymond or no Draymond. It's about, Hey, how do you use, how could you use that caps in future years? Um, it's about, do you think you can draft and develop a guy, like you mentioned, Phil, and being the guy that Draymond is? How do you want to allocate your resources along the defensive line? Um, you know, what, what types of players fit Vance Joseph's scheme? All those things are going to go into this. And so I think it's easy for fans to just think, okay, well, keep Draymond. He's a good player. Yeah. Sure. You want to keep good players. That's true. But there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And I just want to say, Phil, you talked about, you know, him hitting free agency and testing the market. All it takes is one team to say, we're going to pay you a lot of money. And then all of a sudden the market changes significantly. It doesn't matter if, you know, teams aren't willing to pay you that. You only need one to to change the market here for Draymond Jones. Why? When you let a guy get to free agency, it does become tricky to keep them in my mind because if one team really needs a a defensive end or really wants a, a star defensive player, they'd say, you know, hey, here's more than the franchise tag. And I assume you're going to jump at that. So uh, yeah. it's not, it creates always logical from that standpoint. Yeah. Like uh, uh, that's why so many of these guys, if they can identify talent that is on the rise, you try to get that deal done in the season, you know, and then that way you don't let it get to free agency. You don't get, the pressure of a, a deadline looming. And then that way you could just make a decision and then uh, move forward here. And that usually tends to work out for the team side a little bit better here. But uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about that for the Broncos is that probably when you're looking to make those, those deals, that's when Draymond's production fell off. So uh, you know, uh, uh, on the fl flip side, you're thinking, okay, from the Broncos perspective, Hey, if you could have got this done in the season, maybe you could have saved some money, but then on the other side of that equation, Hey, maybe you avoided a bad situation here by investing a lot of money in a player that doesn't have that upside. So, uh, just, a, a Draymond is a fascinating situation here just because he's shown a lot of flashes that he could be that dominant guy, but just the consistency hasn't been there. And look, part of, uh, 
talent evaluation is sort of trying to predict the future, you know, and uh, that's not necessarily easy to do in a, in a case like Draymond Jones. No, I mean, you, of course, are able to predict the future well. You know everything that is going to happen. So we wish they would just kind of ask you what to do well, here. I have that crystal ball just sitting in my desk drawer. And yeah, I stopped it's by. It's like they don't even care about it. I'm like, hey, uh, George, Sean, you guys want to check this thing out or what do you want to do? And they're just like, go back to your hole, you know. So I don't know why. I, the other thing with, with with Draymond is that if he, so, you know, you make a point, you make a deal, and then he doesn't, he played what he did the rest of the year. You might be looking at it and saying, oh, is that a good deal? But the flip is that if he had finished the season, if he'd kept going and finished the season with 12 sacks, say, then you probably are hesitating about using a franchise tag at this point. You're probably just doing it. Yeah. Are you still there, Eric? I'm still here. And oh, now you talk. You That's you just cut, you cut out a little bit there, so I wasn't sure if uh, you were still okay. No, I just I think that you know it's kind of the worst possible scenario was Draymond having that fast start and then falling off because it's not good for Draymond in terms of you know guaranteeing a a contract good for the Broncos because they didn't you know they're now kind of in this limbo where you're just trying to decide which which player are you going to get moving forward uh, long-term here? And so I, so what's going on there in Indy this week is that George is going to be meeting with his uh, Draymond's representation there, trying to just sort of see if they can figure out uh, some of the numbers and what makes sense for both sides. But also maybe the Broncos are doing a little bit of homework uh, checking out uh, the rest of the league being like, Hey, what is a guy like Draymond's value? Like uh, you mentioned Eric, Hey, all it takes is one team. Do you think that George is also trying to figure out, Hey, is there a team out there that really wants Draymond? What, what is, uh, what's that market look like? Uh, Because uh, the Broncos obviously want to address their defensive line. So maybe he's saying, okay, what's this defensive line market look like across the league? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is a where you try to mine as much information as you can, uh, whether it's on Draymond's value, what other teams need, uh, what other players might be available. I, I believe, Phil, as we're recording this, only one player has been franchise tagged. And so maybe you try to get a sense of uh, who else is out there. Are there going to be big name free agents that we can go after if Ben here, Draymond? I think all of those things are, you know, obviously one of the goals is to, is to sit here and interview prospects to watch prospects work out. But then the other thing is, Hey, can you find out some information about who's going to be available here in, in less than. Yeah. Uh, and, and so talking about Draymond, that's also going to impact what the Broncos are able to do with the offensive line, you know? And I think that if uh, you talk to any Broncos fan, it's clear that uh, the number one priority is offensive line. You know, uh, everybody's talking about getting this thing fixed. Uh, uh, what what happens with Draymond is going to impact what the Broncos can do there. How do you weigh those two, Eric? Uh, which is a bigger priority in your mind? 
Well, I think offensive line me stands out, particularly if you're able to get a really solid right tackle. You can find a, a guard that can just solidify that spot. I personally would would look at the draft for a guard and go free agency for tackle. Um, but you've got to figure this out. You've got to protect it. Um, and, you know, you've got to build this thing up front in order to make this thing go. And I just think because she's an offensive coach, you've got to uh, – I think that has to be the priority. I I agree. And, and you look at uh, some of those teams that they had there in New Orleans – they were very stout up front. Uh, Drew Brees obviously helped that offensive line a lot there, but they were stout up front. And that sort of is what makes this whole thing work, right? It helps the running game. It helps uh, keep uh, Russell Wilson healthy. It gives him more time to be able to do his freelancing where you see him have so much success uh, in the past there where he gets out of the pocket, he could find that uh, receiver down the field. It all really starts up front. And uh, the Broncos just were not good enough there last year. Uh, I don't think that uh, that's any secret. You know, the running game struggled to find a lot of success. And obviously, Russell Wilson was sacked a bunch of times, had to miss uh, a few games last year. So it really, to me, it starts up front. And, you know, you you hope that Garrett Bowles can come back and uh, play the way he did in 2020. Uh, but, you know, obviously a big leg injury last year. You're hoping he could come back. Um, you got to figure out what you're doing at the center position with Lloyd Cushenberry, if that's your guy moving forward. And then uh, it, it seems like maybe Quinn Miners is that younger guy that uh, you, you'll be able to rely upon at right or, yeah, right guard. But the rest of this thing, you got to figure this thing out. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you got to decide how many veterans do you want on there? How much do you want to build it from scratch? Um, I think I saw a story today, Phil, that when Sean Payton was first got to New Orleans, they selected three offensive linemen in the third round and beyond. And three of those guys ended up being starters for their Super Bowl team. And so it is possible to find people later in the draft. Um, but man, when you're looking at free agent priorities, I would think that at least one offensive lineman has to be up there and you might view that as more of a priority than the defensive line, a better allocation of resources. Yeah. Uh, I do think that ultimately for the success of this team, the offensive line has got to be priority number one. Uh, and I, and I do see uh, at least one in free agency, just a guy who, you know, that could come in and start on day one, you know, not a guy who is going to be a little bit of a project that you're going to have to coach up and, and get right. You need somebody who's, who's going to be able to be relied upon starting uh, week one. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think with the kind of the young talents, we, we don't know exactly the Broncos have a deep line from like a Inyomo Wazirik or a Matt Henningsen, but you do have some younger guys there that maybe can develop. You don't necessarily have that on the offensive line. And so I feel like replenishing the talent there is a bigger, you know, that's more important. You don't, you don't kind of, oh, here's this young tackle that could potentially step in. Here's this young guard, you know, it, I mean, I guess if you look at like a Luke Wattenberg, but he obviously struggled a little bit. So that to me stands out as a place where he's in flux of talent right away. Uh, have you seen Luke in the weight room? You know, when you're in there at like five o'clock 
Uh, are you are you showing him how to do some things in there, or what have you been doing? I like to I like to work in darkness, of course. So uh, it's hard to tell who else is in there. Oh, so you don't even turn on the lights. It's dark outside and inside for you. Yeah, that's what I say. Work in the darkness, and then uh, you see the light later. Yeah, uh, got it. You shine in the light. You see. Yeah, but I work. But you work. Sean Payton wants to keep your keep your head down and work. Uh, I think he said we're anonymous donors. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the perspective I have right now. Eric, uh, I you know I, these press conferences at the combine they're always sort of interesting to me because uh, you don't want to say too much when you're up there, but you got to talk for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, what do you make of uh, Sean Payton's press conference? Uh, you know, he talks about uh, paying attention to every little detail and everything. Uh, what stood out to me was he started his press conference early. He went late and he was very honest when he was up there, very transparent, uh, particularly when talking about the hiring process for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, Phil, I, I was hoping we would get to that because I think that that was probably the biggest take and is that he, he kind of admitted Vic Fangio was the guy that went after originally that he wanted to work with, um, said uh, the media spim a little bit maybe, uh, you know, also has this advanced Joseph. And listen, if you're Vance Joseph, people might think, okay, well, how does Vance Joseph feel here in that? I think Vance Joseph realizes the resume that Vic Fangio has a defensive coordinator and is, is confident enough in his own scheme to recognize that, you know, going to look around at some other people. Um, you know, I talked about, he was asked, Oh, there was a report that you you interviewed Matt Patricia. And he said, no, that, that happened. Yeah. And, uh, that, you know, about things that are going to happen this week. There's also a plan to talk with Patricia about a potential role uh, on the defensive staff. And he would ask Vance Joseph about what he thought of that too. But, um, yeah, very honest. Uh, gave you a nugget here, um, but you're, I think it was not lost. People, he he started early and he ended late, and uh, a lot of good stuff in between. Uh, he also uh, told the person sort of running the press conference. Uh, you know, they got this 15 minute window typically there, uh, and they like to move it along. There's somebody who's there helping him. Said, "Hey, just a couple more questions," and uh, Sean said, "No, there's actually going to be a lot more." So uh, another opportunity there to exert a little bit of dominance, let everybody know who's in control here. Uh, you know, you talk about details, Eric, these things aren't lost on Sean. And, and as a reporter, I feel like uh, picking up on a little bit of these things gives you a little bit of insight into his thinking and what some of his philosophies and, and what he's all about. Absolutely, Phil. He he set the tone. I think yeah. just kind of saying, "Hey, we're going to take more questions." That's a way to set it. It might seem minor, and it might have been lost on some fans. Uh, you know, if you if you don't pay attention to these press conferences, kind of really in depth, but not lost on either of us. I'll tell you that. And uh, in in everything he does, just kind of in the way you know, in Phil being here, you know, reporters are Buzz scrums where there's there's not as many not as many reporters. His, I'll tell you what, his scrum had a lot of people on it. It was the first one of the entire combine. I think that sets the tone, too. Say, I'm first one up there. I'm going to kick this thing off. Um, but there are times when people are yelling. They're trying to get a question in. And Sean, Sean started pointing to, to, hey, you're next. You do this. 
and it's, he's running the show up. And I think that that's the way, you know, you expect to do everything and, and to lead the, the coaching staff, to lead players. He is in charge, setting the tone. Um, he's telling people how it's going to be. And when you've got a resume like he does, you know, seven division titles, nine playoff appearances, a Super Bowl, you can the right to do that, right? Exactly. And like uh, he said, this was the first time he'd ever done a press conference at the combine. But just ba- based off the way he was carrying himself, you wouldn't have thought that, you know, like he was very much in command no. up there. And I think that like a younger head coach uh, is just sort of trying to go with the flow a little bit. Hey, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, oh, there's only a couple more. OK, uh, what's the next thing? Where am I doing next? How is this going to work? Uh, it's quite the opposite with Sean up there. And uh, you could just feel that sort of from his presence and the way he carries himself a little bit. And I think that because he's so in control and in charge, that allows him to be more transparent because he's not like, oh, what what can I say? What shouldn't I say? What is He's very much in control. And because so, he's able to give you things like, hey, we're going to talk to Matt Patricia. And uh, even though we didn't hire him for the defensive coordinator spot, we still think maybe there's going to be a role here for him. That's sort of a big deal, if you ask me. And he felt very comfortable uh, just saying that up there. Yeah. And Phil, if he does say too much, well, he's in charge. So what does it matter? Exactly. Who's he going to answer to? Just back to himself. <laughs> so it's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. What do you think about that, uh, Eric, about uh, Patricia possibly having a role on this team? Uh, Do you think that it would be weird with Vance Joseph uh, just because they were both up for that job? And what do you think Patricia might be able to bring as a sort of a senior advisor consultant type of role? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Vance Joseph is confident enough in himself. Uh, seen him around a little bit this week. It's confident in his ability to do this job. Did a nice job in Arizona. Um, it was interesting listening to, to both Sean and George Peden talk this week. They made it sound like Arizona was kind of a, you know, they said he did some really good things despite the circumstances. And you heard that a couple times. Uh, and so we look at the numbers and we see, okay, a couple seasons overall in scoring defense. But, you know, the way they sound, it was like they were really impressed he was able to do that there based on everything else that was going on. So uh, one kind of check in Vance Joseph's call there. But, you know, Matt Patricia, obviously our head coach, uh, did not go particularly well, but still has that experience. Uh, obviously had success with the Patriots. I think a run game, he'd be able to help you there. Kind of, you know, we we hear Vance Joseph talk about an attacking defense. He's obviously, I would say, kind of, before being a defensive coordinator, his his, his spell was in Indary. So you have somebody here that can help in the run game. Um, I, I think it would be a good addition. And, and listen, just so when you think about the comparison to last year's coaching staff and much inexperience there was and guys being jobs for the first time, everybody being promoted and elevated, uh, you look at this coaching staff and you see, okay, you've got a former head coach in Vance Joseph. You've got experienced offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi. Um, you could potentially have other head coach, Patricia. I'm sure I'm missing, but like John Morton, the past game coordinator has a lot of NFL experience. Um, even the assistant to the head coach, probably, he's got two decades of experience. I think you look all over this staff, you see guys that have done this before. Greg Minotti, uh, one of the linebackers coaches, he's been a defensive coordinator in this league for a long time. And just, Listen, took some chances on some younger coaches for sure, but 
you got that experience that your staff just didn't have. And so when things get tough or when, in terms of player development, I think that's going to have a big impact. And I was thinking about this last night, Phil, you know, some of the rookies with the Rockets, like a Nick Benito, maybe you didn't get what you thought you were going to get out of him. Well, okay, well, now you've got a more senior coach who's probably has more experience developing players. You could get some jumps out of these guys just because they're now working with a different staff. Most definitely. I mean, uh, one of the things we talked about with uh, Nathaniel Hackett coming in here and when he put that staff together was, hey, maybe you don't want guys with too much experience because then that sort of threatens your power or the way you're perceived as a young head coach. Okay, that's certainly not the case with Sean. You know, uh, you don't have to worry about any of that. You have a much more experienced staff coming together. Sean Payton said that uh, Broncos owner and CEO Greg Penner texted him and was like, hey, I like the staff that you're putting together. I think that this is coming together nicely. Uh, you always want to hear that uh, that encouragement. And then uh, Sean also said, look, one of the things I learned from Bill Parcells was you want to be around younger uh, coaches because – they're, you know, they bring something new to the table. There, there's uh, some uh, diversity there and opinions and perspectives there when you when you're around a younger head coach and certainly somebody like Davis Webb who took snaps last year and is younger than Russell Wilson. He's going to come in here and he's got certainly a different perspective than someone like Sean who's coaching Russ. There, there's just going to be uh, uh, different viewpoints on this, and uh, that's always a healthy thing, in my opinion. And you, you know, you think about a guy like Chris Banjo coming in, assistant special teams coach. You know, that's not the most probable. But he was he was playing in this league last year. I think guys like that are going to be able to to players. Um, it keeps this pipeline of young talent, helps them learn. I think probably a little quicker being around a lot of experienced guys. And listen, I you know. You can critique. I don't think Sean Payton's uh, track record is immune from being able to say, "Okay, well, why did you make this decision or this decision?" But I also think he earns a, the benefit of the doubt. And you know, I look at this staff and I say, "Okay, it does look like a good, and it looks, you know, there's some really good experienced coaches and there's some good younger coaches, and I, I trust that this is going to work." Yeah, and you want a mix of guys, right? You like having a guy like Lombardi come in. Uh, that's helpful just because there's some consistency and in, in familiarity with the scheme and and the way you like to coach things and your your approach. But then you also have a, uh, some other guys in the mix there that help this thing have some different viewpoints and, and come together uh, maybe with a fresh approach. So uh, it does seem like the staff has come together well and. Uh, Certainly, maybe there's some uh, uh, additions on the way here if if they can uh, figure out something with Patricia or maybe if there's some other people he bumped into there in Indy. Heck, maybe you'll be a part of the staff, Eric. Hey, you, you were writing last year. You were covering this team last year. Let's get you involved in the coaching a little bit. Bill, I wouldn't leave you behind. Thank you. I know. I know. You at least uh, you could do a podcast too and then also coach. A little that's, bit of a dual. That's role. true. Kind of a little bit of both. I'll be like, what happened there at the end of the game? What were you guys thinking? And you were like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I say it anyway. Uh, last thing, Eric, just uh, what is uh, sort of the buzz there about the Broncos in Indianapolis? You know, uh, is there a little bit of hesitancy to get too excited about this team based off of what happened last year? Do people think that Russ is uh, going to be okay here uh, under Sean? 
Uh, I know that we heard Pete Carroll. He said, uh, hey, we think that, or he thought that uh, there's nobody better than Sean Payton to coach uh, uh, Russell Wilson here moving forward. So what, what's the thoughts uh, on the Broncos and Russell Wilson there in Indy? Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's it's a miss. I think you there's guys like Chris Sims that I've talked to have said, I'd be really shocked if this time next year we're talking about other C. Russell Wilson that he thinks that's a great uh, opportunity for him and that Sean Payton is going to get him back to being that guy. Talk to other people that say, well, you know, Sean Payton's not going to uh, change his system. And so is Russ capable of operating in this precision passing model? Um, I think, well, like we've talked about, Phil, the perspective is the offensive line is that biggest need. You've got to up front for this team to be good next year. Um, you know, I, I would just, you know, overall, it's, it's not surprising. Just what is Russ and, and Sean going to look like? And that's going to be a determining factor. And and we know, I think that the big question, we might know till week one or the preseason kind of exactly what looks, but um, I think that's the kind of the big question. There's no, there's no broad proclamations about like, hey, if, if Russell Wilson and Sean Payton get this right, they're going to be uh, Super Bowl contenders. Um, I think a lot of the focus, including in the questions I ask, is is less about hey, what what sort of playoff potential do the Broncos have, and more just how can how can they get back to being relevant? And then, you know, if things do go well, maybe you end up in that playoff talk, that playoff conversation later. But for the moment, I, I think it's less compared to last year when there was a lot of hype and people, you know, obviously not at the combine because the Russell Wilson trade had happened, but. So later we're talking about, oh, it's Super Bowl or bust, all this. Right now it's just, hey, how is this going to work? Let's let's pump the brakes on everything else and just see how this relationship develops. And uh, based off of uh, that and like not being these crazy expectations or pressure put on the Broncos, uh, the fact that they only have five draft picks, Eric, uh, what do you think? Do you think the Broncos are going to be big players here in free agency, or do you think they're just going to try to address some needs? Uh, where do you think they stand here as we're just a couple of weeks out? Yeah, I think there's a sense that the, the Broncos might make at least one move uh, in free agency, you know, maybe on the offensive line. We'll have to see exactly if that if that pans out or if that happens. Um but yeah, the, in general, the buzz around the draft picks is a little bit down because Broncos' perspective, you don't pick until 67. And so it's hard to go up there and go, well, are you going to be there in the third round or, you know, what? Yeah. It's just, it's hard to get a sense of exactly which player um, stories you should dive into. So a little bit less buzz about that and more about, yeah, what are the Broncos going to do in free agency? Uh, is Alex Singleton going to be back? Um, what position groups kind of more broadly? Uh, you look. At, I mean, there's so no one's here saying, "Hey, this this particular uh, offensive tackle in the first round is going to be a great option for the Broncos." The way that a few years ago you discuss, you know, uh, wide receivers. I mean, that is not that sort of year with the way, way the draft is setting up for the Broncos. Um, I mean, there's a, a shortage of storylines. They're just different. And so, like, from that perspective, if it sort of does feel like if the Broncos want somebody to come in here and make a huge impact and sort of change the way that this team looks, it's going to have to be through free agency. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, Wilbury came in in the third round a couple of years ago and was an instant starter. Um, there are, you know, other examples of guys coming in in Greg Dulcich, third rounder, 
played a big impact by Damari Mathis by week five was a starter. There are guys that can come in and be starters, but in terms of being like pro bowl, all pro, uh, that sort of level, you're right. I do. You would need to take a swing pre-agency for that to happen. You just have to weigh the risk of, okay, well, is that worth the cap space? Do we want to just develop some younger guys and say, okay, we're okay with having an all pro on the offensive line this year, or we're hoping that Garrett Bowles can be that guy. And, you know, we're going to draft around him and build this thing up a little bit more slowly. Uh, and again, that's, that's decisions that George Payton and Sean Payton are going to have to make. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what approach they take in. Uh, it'll sort of let you know where they're thinking this team is heading for the 2023 season, uh, the approach that yeah. they take here. So, uh, uh, certainly a lot of good stuff going on out there in Indianapolis, uh, uh, hearing from Sean Payton and George Payton this week there, uh, Eric, nice job barring from, uh, Indianapolis. You got it. My best. We got your best. Yeah. Uh, let's get some shout outs going here before we say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I will shout out Sean first time in 16 years. He spoke at the combine and uh, made it worthwhile. Like you said, got a lot of stuff in there in, in 25 minutes, I think. Yeah, he did get a lot of stuff in there. That was uh, good stuff. Uh, uh, PR guru, I think that's what he likes to go by. Patrick Smythe uh, got him up on that podium. So that was, uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, uh, good stuff there. Of course, I wasn't there because he doesn't do that much media, Eric. So sort of a down. Sort of a down. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, of course, shout out Nikola Jokic. Of course, of course, continues to average a triple double. Uh, they're not the Nuggets. Uh, kind of playing pretty good basketball here, if you ask me. So, uh, I would say there's more chatter here about Nikola Jokic than there is about any prospect. I mean, people are just in the city of Indianapolis are just they're dialed in on your Denver Nuggets. Uh, of course, uh, the big news with Jokic this week is uh, that he's a stats patter. That came from Kendrick Perkins. And then uh, Jokic, when asked about it, said, yeah, of course, it's true. It's true. Uh, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there from Jokic, uh, which was pretty funny, if you ask me. Pretty funny stuff. Yeah. I mean, if it was if it was easy to do, everyone would just do it, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Like I, I hope that uh, Russell Wilson stat pads touchdowns in 2023. Could be a good idea. Could be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, uh, the Broncos are up 34-14, uh, but let's go ahead and get another touchdown. Let's do it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I would like you have that. to if the if the be able to pad the stats in order to do it. Yeah. Pat, yeah. It's just a good idea. Just get. Let's do that. Let's just do it. Let's do more points. Any other uh, shout-outs, Eric? Uh, this is a big week for some of those prospects out there. I'm sure there's a lot of nervous energy, you know, uh, getting set to uh, go through this week. Some guys' draft stocks could take off this week. Uh, some some might go down. You know, there's, this is a big week for a lot of young guys there in Indianapolis. It is, Phil. Yeah, and best of luck to those guys. Um Nice to see some of our other R's around the league. Our friend Eddie at the Raiders. I mean, this is nice to see some of these guys. Friend uh, of the show. Friend were, of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. Um, 
Liz Gerald's too, of course, Phil. Can't forget that. Even from even from Indianapolis. No, I mean the the work in the community never stops. So no. Uh even even a guy like uh Ramon Cezanne is doing a lot of great work this week. So yeah, of course. Of course. We that's what we come to expect. We can't forget anybody. So Eric, uh, great job out there reporting from Indianapolis. It's time for you to come home for us to be reunited so that uh, order can be restored in the podcasting universe. I'm on my way. Yeah, hurry on up back home. But uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, maybe Ben Swanson will make an appearance next week. Maybe he'll get left in Indy. Maybe, maybe you'll forget him. You know, who knows? Who knows what will happen? So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us. So we'll be back next week in person, back in our regular podcast studio. Until then, for Eric Delilah, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral Zone. The Neutral Zone.